You are Locked On A's. Your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 195 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and this is episode one of season two of this show. And so for season two, we got new intro music. We've got basically the rest of the other stuff is the same, but new intro music, new outro music, and then my voice here in between those two things. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, anyways, coming up on today's show, we're going to revisit my lusting after Javier Baez is he a good fit for Oakland? Is he attainable? Can the A's make the money that he is owed work? Uh, we'll find out at the end of this episode. Also, please make sure to follow us on social media at Locked on A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Today's episode is also brought to you guys by Built Bar, and it is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get 20% off your next order. So before I start talking about Javi Baez, real quick, I do have to mention that longtime A's beat writer and one of the best in the business, Susan Slusser has been moved to the Giants beat at the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, Hank Schulman, the former Giants beat guy for the Chronicle, retired after the 2020 season, and Susan is taking over that void. Uh, it's not that big of a hole. She can fill it very well. She's going to do a great job over there. And uh, taking over for Susan is going to be Matt Kawahara, who spent a decent amount of the 2020 campaign filling in for Susan anyway with her foot injury. So in retrospect, the announcement kind of makes sense because Matt had been doing a lot of the Chronicles A's coverage already. He'd been uh, hosting the A's Plus podcast, which uh, don't listen to that one. This one's better. Uh, Shots fired. Anyways, <laughs> I, I remember meeting him very, very briefly in the A's press box when he worked for the Sacramento Bee. So he's been around for quite a while, uh, at, at least five or six years. I'm not positive. Uh, I don't want to be a creeper and look that stuff up because it just feels personal, you know, like, hey, where have you been before? And uh, that's not my bag of tea. So anyways, uh, th this news kind of felt like a a favorite player of ours had been traded, at least for me. I, I'm sure that there are some of you guys out there that feel uh, the same way because Susan had been an integral part of the A's coverage since 1999. That is two decades of service time that she got. And uh, she, she's one of the best in the business. I don't know what else I can say. Uh, always look forward to hearing anything that she has to say about the Oakland A's. And uh, it, it stinks that, you know, she's going to be uh, covering the stupid Giants now. So, uh yeah, that, it's a sad note to start the year on, but one thing that the A's could do uh, to make us all feel a little bit better about that would be trading for Javi Baez. I mean, realistically, I would take like any kind of a, a move that would uh, impact the Major League roster, but Javi Baez, I'm shooting for the fucking moon right here. Um, but And before I get into the main discussion, here's a little bit of better, uh, background on Javi Baez, if you are not uh, as versed in Javi Baez as some others. I know that I am not, and after watching some videos, I am very excited about the prospect of, uh, in my head, Javi Baez coming to Oakland. So we're going to see a, if he would be a fit, if it's a thing that could happen, all that stuff. Uh, so first off, 
He just turned 28 in uh, November. He's a right-handed bet and can play league average second base or a pretty solid shortstop. He won the Gold Glove Award at shortstop in 2020, so there aren't a lot of defensive concerns on that front. On the offensive side, he finished second in MVP voting in 2018 behind Christian Yelich. And for what it's worth, he's a two-time All-Star. Uh, I discount All-Star appearances personally because fans like in Kansas City will uh, stuff the ballot box. And I, I don't put a lot of stock in that. But it does mean that Javi Baez has had at least two good half seasons. And with that MVP award, uh, the second place finish, that means that he had one good full season at the very least. So there's that. Uh, between the 2018 and 2019 campaigns, he averaged 149 games played with a 286 batting average, a 321 on base, and an 865 OPS. He also slugged 63 homers between those two seasons and struck out a little bit more than a quarter of the time. So that strikeout rate, a little bit high, but... With uh, the batting average, sure, I guess. And the OPS is solid. He gives you a nice extra power bat from a middle infield guy. And uh, I take it his on base is a little bit lower than Simeon's was. But, hey, he's a gold glove defender, too. So uh, there, there's not a lot to be mad about here in his profile. Uh, it's nitpicking if you want to pick on his his uh, strikeout rate right there at, you know, roughly 25, 26%. So, uh, you know, whatever. He's not a perfect offensive player. And... You know, that's fine. The A's don't need a perfect offensive player. They just need a, a somebody to play shortstop, really. <laughs> and he would be a really good one to put into that role. And it, But uh, so there's those are the good seasons that he had. In 2020, he struggled mightily batting just 202 with a 238 on base and a WRC plus of 57 or 43% below league average compared to being 31 and 14% above league average in 2018 and 2019. And I have been a little bit wary of placing too much stock into 2020 stats because of the small sample size and also because of the circumstances that surrounded that season. Uh, if you're thinking about your family off in Puerto Rico or, you know, in Florida or where, where they're not near you, then baseball's a mental game. If you're thinking about anything else, then your head is arguably not in the game. Uh, there was one season that I saw that uh, Frank Thomas was getting a divorce and he had a really crappy year. And everybody was like, oh, is he is he hitting the wall? Is he going to bounce back? And then he bounced back because the divorce was final and all that stuff. And he was, you know, Frank Thomas again and uh, stuff like that. If you have off the field stuff that's affecting you mentally, then it can impact your uh, play on the field. So uh, 2020 stats, I'm discounting them a little bit. And uh, you know, especially for uh, players that were born outside of the United States that have family that is, you know, in Puerto Rico, in Javi Baez's case, I'm, I'm more willing to discount those stats and say that the, the other two seasons that he put together were far superior than the 160 game season that was most recent. So uh, that's where I stand on 2020 stats. Sure, he hit 202, but, you know, I'm looking past that. Uh, partially because I want the A's to do something, and also partially, I think that he's a really good player. And just to add one more thing to that same line of reasoning, he didn't have the option necessarily to sit out if he had COVID concerns like a lot of other players like David Price or anybody else, uh, because he wanted to reach free agency next offseason, and he had to play to be able to get service time to reach free agency at that time. So he didn't have that option like a lot of other players did. Sure, he was probably financially okay, but to be able to get that big financial windfall in just a short amount of time. He had to play for the Cubs in 2020 amidst all these COVID concerns and all that stuff. So uh, I, I think that there was a lot going on in his head and I'm discounting 2020 when it comes to Javi Baez. I think that he's going to have a great 2021 season, especially in a contract year. 
So moving on to the whole, is he a good fit for Oakland question? Of course he is. He's a shortstop that could arguably be an upgrade over Marcus Simeon. So that isn't a real question. I'm sure that many baseball fans are familiar with his fiery personality and the question of his fit in the clubhouse could be a question that some people ask. I reached out to the Locked On Cubs host. He said that everybody loves him in the clubhouse. He is a fan favorite, so I'm not very worried about his fit with the Oakland A's. And for me, I say we get more outwardly enthusiastic players in the green and gold. Him and Ramon Laureano would be such a treat to watch day in and day out. They have had, the A's have had some bat flips, but they don't just drip with swagger like a Javi Baez bat flip. Just a quick Javi Baez bat flip search on Google led me to a video entitled Javi Baez Swag Moments and a link to another video debating who was more electrifying, Javi Baez or Fernando Tatis Jr. For my money, Tatis is a more exciting player. Uh, he's this generation's Ken Griffey Jr. But for Bias to be in that discussion means that I want him on my team. I want all that swag. I want that drip. I want that on the A's. And so uh, I, I watched the videos, obviously, and now I want him even more. The current A's have quiet swag. You know, you got your Mark Canna bat flips and all that stuff and bat flipping season. But uh, Javi Baez is just on another level. You go watch the videos. He's amazing. And uh, he inspires a lot of fun to be had on the baseball field. I think that he'd be great for the A's clubhouse and could be something that they are missing in their clubhouse, which is just a little bit more swagger. You know, like those uh, those Bash Brothers teams. They came out, they knew they were good, and they flaunted it. It was so much fun to watch. So Javi Baez could add another dimension of just fun watchability to the team, let alone making them a better on-the-field uh, presence and all that stuff. And I've said it a few times, but the A's have their cornerstones in Chapman and Olsen, but I don't know how much longer they'll be able to stay in Oakland without a shift in how much the team spends year to year. So I think that their time with the A's is limited, so it would make sense for 2021 to be the year that they spend a little bit extra and go for a deep playoff run where before they start dealing all the key cogs and retooling for another point down the road where they can conceivably contend uh, for a World Series, but uh, I think that this might be the best shot that the A's have in like the next decade, so put some of those chips into the middle and go for it, you guys. Anyways, coming up on the show, I'm going to see if he is attainable and if the A's can make the money work, so stay locked in with Locked On A's and I'll be right back. Are you ready for some football? College football has one more game left. You can bet on the big game on that one. And also, the NFL regular season just finished up, so if you want to start putting some money down on the playoffs, there is one place that has you covered in one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. The current lines for the NFL playoff matchups for the wild card run. You got the Bills at negative six and a half. You got the Rams at plus four and a half. You got the Buccaneers getting seven and a half. Oh man, that's that's impressive. Um, then you got the Titans at plus three and a half. You got the Bears at plus nine and a half against the Saints. Uh, bet on the Saints, I guess. Um, I don't watch football. Don't take my advice. Also, uh, you got the Steelers at negative three and a half, which is interesting because I thought that they sucked now, but uh, interesting. Yeah. If you got a good feeling about the Browns in that game, put some money on it. Why not? Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. You guys get into the action. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Today's show is also brought to you guys by the best tasting protein bar ever. We are talking about the new and improved and more deliciouser than ever Built Bar, you guys. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. They have six new flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And they still have those original 12 flavors like coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, toffee almond, coconut, peanut butter brownie. I'm missing a few like orange <laughs> i snuck it in there season two still doing orange anyways uh their their bars are covered in 100 chocolate they are soft and easy to chew they are protein bars that taste like candy bars and the built bars are all built for health conscious people you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat and all of their bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber and great for the keto diet i know that we're all making resolutions right now so if you want to stick to your resolutions why not do it in a delicious manner by getting some Built Bars from BuiltBar.com. All you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com to get some of these delicious treats and use promo code Locked On. You will get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code Locked On. That is one word, Locked On, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. 2020 is mercifully over. It is time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you like here in podcasts. Make sure to follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any mailbag questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So let's get back into Javi Baez because uh, he's a lot of fun to talk about and I really want to see him in some green and gold. So let's see if, uh, if he is attainable. Let's see if this is a pipe dream. Let's go into it. If I was going to put a a bet on whether or not Javi Baez is attainable, I'd put that in as a lock. He is definitely touchable as opposed to untouchable. He has one year left before he hits free agency. The Cubs are already shedding some salary, and Baez is entering his third year of arbitration. MLB Trade Rumors has him projected at a salary of 10 to $12 million, but he was due to get $10 million in 2020 before the pandemic, so the arbitration estimates could be a little bit less correct this year uh, due to the uncertainty following the 2020 season. So he could get a little bit more than that. I'm not positive. My guess is that Baez would get a little bit more than that personally, but uh, MLB trade rumors ran the numbers and I'm going on gut feel. So maybe I should trust their 10 to $12 million estimate for the 2021 season. But anyways, uh, that uncertainty could keep the quote-unquote cash-strapped A's from pursuing a deal for Baez, but I don't think that the prospect cost would be terribly high to get him on the A's, if I'm being quite honest, just because uh, you look at the U Darvish trade, and the Cubs just moved three years of U Darvish and $59 million attached to him for Zach Davies, who was good, but I think today outperformed his analytics just a little bit, and some prospects that were in San Diego's top 20, but nobody in their top five. They didn't get that sterling prospect in exchange for three years of U Darvish and some salary relief. Granted, San Diego's system is stacked, which is why they've been able to make these deals to land you Darvish and Blake Snell, but the return wasn't an elite package of prospects. It was mostly salary relief. So if you're looking at it that way and you turn to Javi Baez, who has one year of control left remaining on his deal with the Cubs, 
that lessens the cost of acquisition, I would think. And then you throw in his subpar 2020 stats, and that probably lowers the cost a little bit as well. Not a ton, but a little bit, because uh, I know that a lot of teams are probably going to be like, no, but look at his, his other stats. Uh, 2020 was a bunk season. Don't don't pay attention to those ones. So uh, I think that that's going to be a fun little dance that teams would play if Javi Baez comes up in trade discussions. So why would Chicago make a trade when one of their most popular players is not at peak value? Obviously, to cut costs and not pay him in 2021, saving roughly 10 to $12 million. That, that's an easy one. But also because if they hold on to him and he or the team gets off to a slow start, so if the team gets off to a slow start, they're not in contention. They're going to have to move him anyway. If he gets off to a slow start, they're not going to be able to get the package that they would like for him. So uh, you're playing with a little bit of fire on that one while still paying him his 2021 salary. So I think that there is enough risk in there for the Cubs to be not quite motivated sellers, but be willing to listen to an offer that wouldn't be what you would probably expect to see as a return for somebody of Javi Baez's caliber. Of course, the Cubs could extend a qualifying offer his way if they held on to him through the entire 2021 season, but if he's having a down year, do you want to take that one year of roughly 19 to $20 million contract. Uh, I don't know that he would say yes, but he could if he's coming off of one and a half down years. Maybe he takes that one-year contract, rebuilds some of that value, and doesn't hit the free agent market with Trevor Story, Carlos Correa, Francisco Lindor, uh, maybe some of these other shortstops that are on the market right now. Maybe they'll be out there too. So maybe he takes that one-year cushion deal and then he hits the market by himself in 2022. So it's a little bit of a risk if you're the Cubs too. And that risk goes beyond the 2021 season. If they keep Baez with the hopes of being able to re-sign him for 2022 and beyond to a long-term contract because he's one of their core guys and the fans love him, uh, one, are they going to be open to paying that much money at, you know, in 10 months time? Probably not. So that doesn't make a lot of sense. And if you're Javi Baez, one of the most exciting players in baseball, do you want to sign on for another rebuild with an owner of questionable morals that doesn't necessarily want to spend? Probably not. So why keep him if you're not going to try and re-sign him uh, to a deal that he may or may not be willing to sign? So that means that the door should be wide open for the A's to make a deal here because I think that the Cubs could be motivated sellers over the next month unless we get word that fans will be allowed on the stands and that could change the entire Cubs' financial fortune, but uh, I doubt it. So looking at a trade between the A's and the Cubs for Javi Baez, I wouldn't expect the return package to be that devastating to A's fans. There's not going to be any AJ Pucks or Robert Poissons or Nick Allens. I could see maybe a one top 10 prospect in the A system and one top 20 player in the A system. Uh, maybe. I don't know because they're also eating, you know, the, the whole contract that Javi Baez would be getting in 2021. So I don't know if the return would even be that big. And keep in mind when we're saying uh, a top 10 player in the A system and a top 20 player in the A system, uh, these are still much worse players than in the Padre system because they have many uh, top 100 talents. The A's have zero in the the top 100, uh, I believe, because I think AJ Puck is their top one right now. He's a, he's near the top uh, because we didn't see anybody play in 2020. So we don't know where guys are in actuality. They're kind of going off of what they heard. And so the rankings are all crazy right now. So it's kind of hard to piece together a deal, but 
based off of Fangraph's prospect rankings, I'm, I'm thinking something like maybe Austin Beck and Brian Howard, or maybe Austin Beck or Parker Dunchy, something like that. Uh, I'm not great at prospect valuations in these scenarios, so I'm going strictly off of the rankings and the positions that the A's could probably stand to lose a guy. They could stand to lose a starting pitcher because they have a bunch of guys that are in AAA already, and uh, they got plenty of outfielders, and they didn't invite Austin Beck to extended spring training, so that was kind of weird, so I could see him maybe being a trade piece, so that's my logic behind those guys, and that's really it. So I don't think that that would be enough to dissuade the A's from making a deal for Javi Baez by a long shot. It's the money. It comes down to the money. And from a Cubs standpoint, I know that the return doesn't look great to Cubs fans, but they'd be getting years of control and salary relief for a guy that could theoretically re-sign in under a year if they felt so good about their chances. And trading a guy with one year left on his deal is actually a great move if you are contending or a team that hopes to contend in a couple of years. Uh, trade him to the A's because the A's are not going to be re-signing this player. So they're not going to be wooed by the Oakland Coliseum or anything like that. The A's aren't going to try and re-sign somebody like Javi Baez. Let him go to a contender for one year and then try and re-sign him a little, little bit later with more prospects around him. Do something like that. It's a great idea if you're the Cubs. Just throw money at him next in like 10, 10 months. That's all you got to do. Just be without him for 10 months and then you get better people, kind of, I guess. Um, and then go from there. So can the A's afford to take on Javi Baez's contract? Uh, yes, because it's not that much. But... But I have a sneaking suspicion that John Fisher is going to try and add as little money as possible to the payroll from where we're at right now. So $10 million is a pretty sizable expenditure for the A's in, you know, most years, but especially in this year, I don't say, I think that you got to try and even out the books as much as you can if you're going to add $10 million in hobby buyers or something like that. So with that in mind, they'd probably have to move somebody like Stephen Biscotti, who's owed roughly $7.5 million over each of the next two seasons and... That also includes likely a $1 million buyout for the 2023 season, so they'd be saving $16 million or so overall, but it's really the 2021 season that you're worried about if you're the A's. And uh, with teams pretty unwilling to spend this offseason, it's hard to find a landing spot for Piscotty because he is owed just, you know, a little bit of money. And he's, you know, a good player, but he's not elite by any means. So uh, with that in mind... I, I'm having a hard time coming up with teams that would want to acquire Stephen Piscotty. Uh, one team that came to mind was the Toronto Blue Jays, who have been linked to pretty much every free agent that's out there. So they're getting pretty close to win now mode. And if they miss out on George Springer, maybe they could go for some outfield help via trade. Um, I did ask the Locked On Blue Jays host, AJ Andrews, and they said uh, probably not. So I don't know if there's other teams out there that might want Stephen Piscotty just because it's... It takes a combination of teams wanting to spend money and also teams that are kind of going for it in 2021. So, but without making like big splash moves. So I don't know which teams fit that bill. Maybe like the Marlins, maybe they need an outfield or, or something like that. But I just wanted to continue on my thought process here with uh, if they did trade Steven Piscotty away and then added Javi Baez. And that would mean that they'd be relying a little bit more on Ramon Laureano and Mark Canna if Piscotty were to leave. But that could also open up a little bit more playing time for a number of their the A's AAA outfielders, and uh, that would also mean more playing time for Chad Pinder probably in left field, and then Tony Kemp and 
Blaze Tom could also get some more playing time. They're left-handed bats that the A's could use a couple more of. So uh, there, there's a few different facets of this that could work in the A's favor as long as uh, they, they get some nice outputs from guys and don't feel the loss of Stephen Piscotty too, too much. So if the A's are able to move Piscotty's contract, that would mean that they're essentially only adding a couple of million dollars by trading for Baez. And I think that that's an easier sell for the front office to the guy that writes the checks. So would Baez instantly make the A's championship contenders? Uh, I I think that there's still some work to be done on that front, like figuring out second base and adding a solid arm or two to the bullpen, but it'd be a whole lot better and a whole lot closer to a legitimate contender with Baez in tow than without him. So I think that the trade route at short is the only way that Oakland is going to approach that championship level. And whether it's Baez, Story, Lindor, uh, they'd all be upgrades over Simeon in my eyes. But Baez is probably the most attainable just because he is the most cost-friendly option potentially on the trade market. So if I had to rate the likeliness of this deal going down, I'd probably say like 30%. And that's mostly if they can find a suitor for Piscotty's contract. Uh, The chances of adding Baez and keeping Piscotty and not making any other money dealing moves would be like a 2% chance of that even coming close to happening. So uh, that's just not what the A's do. So I don't think that is uh, something that is viable or uh, feasible or any other able words. But anyway, that is uh, all of the things that I have about Javi Baez. I got you really excited and then brought you crashing down to earth right at the very end there. So that was a lot of fun. (laughs) Hope you guys enjoyed the kickoff show for season two of the Locked on A's podcast. We're going to have a lot of fun here uh, in the next episode, which I'll probably, I'm going to try and get it out tomorrow for you guys. Um, I will be talking about the MLB season maybe starting on time, potentially. There's an article on The Athletic. I haven't gotten all the way through it yet. So uh, I will update you guys on that in the next show. So until next time, stay indoors and celebrate good times, Oakland. Keep wearing those masks, and I will talk at you guys soon.